Let's get started. Yesterday's daf was number 51, Nun Aleph, today's Nun Beis. We're going to do a review of yesterday's daf, get to today's. We have in mind our learning should be a schos for Fuh Shleima, for um, Yitzchak ben Rezel. Who's that? Actually, my father. That's your father. Okay, Fuh Shleima. Um, Hadassah Basronia, Michal Bima Basyodis, Imi Bastvora, Sarbe Sechaved, Tzviel Yezer ben uh, Rivka, and all else who need Rufua. And with that, uh, we're starting two lines up on Daf Nun Amit Beis from the bottom. So uh, we saw the other opinion. What's the reason why these expenses that we're talking about here, the, the improvements, the payrolls, the fruit, uh, the Muslim Ishva Bonos are all not able to collect from Nechasim Mishubadim, only from Bnei Chorin. Again, Mishubadim means property that was um, uh, that, that, that was already sold away, but there was a lien on it, just. so. There, uh, that, and uh, free and clear property is property that the, uh, the person who borrowed the money or owes the money is, uh, uh, owns straight up. So, um, so Rabchanina says the reason why it's left out is because it's kitzuvim. It's set. It's 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 if you in kitzuvim. It's not set how much it is. So therefore, the buyer who bought the land can't. Nobody's getting into it basically because it's a it's a it's a moving target. These things change. They're variable. So the shaila is according to Rabchanina. Is it both factors that you need kitzuvim and kitzuvim that it has to has to be written down, documented? Again, he can only be aware of documented things, not things that are not documented. So that's a question. Or maybe it's only that it's set and not documented. It's not a, not a factor. He'll find out about it even if there is nothing written. That's the two sides. So um, we brought a raya. It said we quoted a case where somebody died, had two daughters, okay, um, and one son. The first daughter did what, what, uh, what basically took one-tenth of the assets for her dowry for marriage, which is the custom. And um, the second one never took it until the son died. And now the, the entire estate is being split by the two daughters. So Rabbi Yechonet says the second daughter is basically giving, forgoing her rights to the, that tenth because that tenth is only granted to her when there's no Yerusha, so meaning there's a son around. But once the son's out of the picture, so then she's getting a nice... Um, a nice dowry regardless and the 10% that the older daughter got she got and that's outsider that was already given to her and now it's just splitting the rest of the estate 50-50 on that Rabbi says that doesn't make that was that was what Rabbi Yechonin said Rabbi argues and he says that if anything we even take away from the leaned property meaning property that was sold away um, has to pay this uh, this ten percent, and you're telling me, um, uh, and you're telling me that the that the second daughter is giving up on that. It's uh, so let's let's analyze this. How is it able to take away from property that was already sold? It must be that it's uh, all it is is make its kaitza. It's only said in how much it is because it's a tenth of the assets, and uh, it's not written down. And she's able to take it away. So you see, you don't need a written. So Gemara says that doesn't prove anything because Parnas is. Very, it's a very well-known custom. Everyone knows that that's what he's supposed to do: spend, you know, ten percent of one's estate on his, on each daughter. Um, in case you're wondering, what does a guy with ten daughters do? Um, the Gemara explains that it's ten percent, but it's ten percent of whatever is left. 
So, uh, and then they redivide. So first you take 10% of the 100, then you take 10% of the left, but the, the, and, then, and then you uh, reconfigure uh, into equal parts, you understand? So it's uh, lowering 10%. So first it's 10 parts, then nine parts, working your way, and then uh, at the end you do divvy that up and give that equally amongst the daughters, and just as an aside. Um, so that's the thing. Um, uh, so that's the story. It's not. It's not a riot. It could be that it counts as if it's raining. Then Rav Huna Barmenoch says, Esakash uh, says that what if the the um, we said that uh, that if uh, that, that if they die, so then the daughters are fed from Nechas Menichar, but the daughter-in-law is going to get the stepdaughter. I'm sorry, the stepdaughter gets from Nechas Menichar. That was a case. Where the man it was the second marriage, and he when he took his wife, she came into the marriage with the daughter, and uh, he had promised five years of sustenance for the daughter, um, and that's able to take away even from lien property because she is a balaschov, she's a creditor basically, and um, um, and uh, anyway, that was this case. So the Gemara says, uh, no, the talk over there, there was a Kenyan. And again, once there's a Kenyan, that's like it's public, it's like it's as if it's written. So that's a different story. Why is the daughters different? So the daughters, so there was no Kenyan for the daughters. So if there's no Kenyan for the daughters, why, I mean, why would you divide it that way? The answer is like this. The one's stepdaughter was alive when he got married, so he took a Kenyan to obligate himself for the five-year sustenance for his stepdaughter that's already around. The, uh, his own daughters weren't even around yet, so therefore he couldn't have made a Kenyan for them. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? It could have been a second marriage, and it could have been a kidney for that. The answer is, is that the daughter is a condition of the court that she's sustained by the state, and not the stepdaughter. So the Gemara says, if anything, that should be stronger. Why is that weaker? The answer is the exact opposite. The reason why uh, the, 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 when it's condition of the courts to, to take care of the daughter, they can be fed from the estate, is, um, is that's exactly on that basis she might have taken something and uh, helped herself to protect herself because she's entitled to things from, you know, by court order. Um, so she feels comfortable saying things. But uh, the stepdaughter that doesn't have that, there's no fear that she, uh, that she did that. Everything okay? Yeah, I just have a, have a early thing I've got to get to. I've got a few minutes, so... Okay, get what you can. better than that. Okay. We're in the middle of the review on Lynn Olive. Okay. Um, um, anyway, so that's the di- that's the difference. As opposed to the stepdaughter wouldn't be so comfortable helping herself, and therefore she's entitled to even lien the property. Okay, that's the difference. Next, the um, next thing was we brought a raya. Again, we're still trying to see if you need kitzuvim and ksuvim. So Nussan says well, this is only if this sale. Um, um, if the sale of the property to the second one was before the improvement of the first purchaser uh, that he improved in the property that he bought. But if the purchaser already made his improvements before the second purchaser bought his property, so then he could even, it even leans to him. Um, and he could take away from, from, the, from the second buyer. So what do you see? It only has one thing, nothing to do with Kitsuvim or Ksuvim. It has to do with was it there before or not. So the Gemara says, it happens to be it's Machlokas Tanoim. 
um, that the Brisa says that uh, you can't be multilachilus perus and shvachikaris mazen isha banos from nechazim shabadim because of tikkun olam, and it explains why klefishen kesuvim they're not written down. And uh, Rabbi Yossi says that's not a tikkun olam. The tikkun olam is not because it's not written, but because it's not kesuvim. So in fact, happens to be these are disputes of Tanoim already. So so ancient argument. Okay, brings us to the next thing. Which is, um, we said, if somebody finds a lost object, he doesn't need to swear. And then we saw Rav Yitzchak said, seemingly countering this. Okay, he said that if you have two wallets that are tied to each other, and the guy says, You found like two wallets that were tied to each other, um, and the guy says, No, I only found one wallet. This is, this is the only wallet I found. So um, he has to swear that there wasn't another wallet. But if it was two oxen that were tied to each other, and he said, I only found all, the guy says there were two, and he says, I only found one. So then we would accept it. And the difference is, is because well, oxen, they might be, may have been tied, but it's very entirely likely that when he was founded, by that time, they had pulled at each other and they got the tie out, you know, um, and got the knot out. Masha'in came by the wallets. Wallets are not active, they're inanimate objects, they don't move on their own, and therefore, Maybe he only found uh, one. Okay, so that I mean, it, that's not not so believable to say that he only found one, because uh, they're not pulling apart, and therefore he needs to swear. Um, that's basically the the contrast. Uh, we also talked about another case of two oxen that were tied to each other, and the guy said, "Yeah, it's true. I found both of them, but I already gave you back one, and now I'm giving back the other." Then he has to swear that. He, that not, not so, but why, if he gave back one, why did he give back both at the same time? Anyway, so the Shaila is, how does Rabbi Yitzchak argue, and he, does he not agree with this principle that when you find the Messiah, you don't swear because of Tikkun Olam? The verse says he holds like a, a, another opinion, which is Rabbi Lezer Benyakov's opinion. That's uh, Rabbi Lezer Benyakov says sometimes a person can say a claim that can create a question that requires him to swear. Um, how so? Um, the guy said, oh, by the way, he goes to an orphan, he says, by the way, your father lent me $100, or 100000 make it in modern terms. Um, I paid him all 50 but now I only owe another 50 So by creating that, that, that information, you're creating a question mark. It's like, really? Did that, is that really how it happened? So uh, therefore, he has to swear on the, on the other half. Um, that's the idea. Um, Chum disagree with Rabbi Lezbiyakov. They said that, no, he's a Meshav Aveda, even when he says something like that, and he's not obligated. So the question is, doesn't Rabbi Lezbiyakov hold Meshav Aveda's putter? So the answer is, is that it wasn't like the guy is coming out of nowhere. It's coming, there's a claim. The, minor, the son, who's a minor, is claiming that um, he owes, uh, that he owes the full hundred. So he said, yeah, there was a hundred, but I paid half. So that's so the Gemara says a katan. Uh, we don't even take any credibility to what a minor says. So the Gemara says no, he's not a katan; he's an adult. We're calling him a katan because he doesn't always know the father's affairs. But, the, but he was aware that there was this hundred dollar debt or hundred thousand dollar debt. Okay. So the Gemara says if that's the case, so why do you call this tainus atzmo? This is tainus acherim. The Gemara says no; it's a, other people claim, but he admitted. So the Gemara says, isn't that every case? So the Gemara says, no. Uh, so rather, the argument is really in Rabbah. Okay, Rabbah says 
that uh, an explanation. Why is it that both of mitzvahs, when you admit in part, that you uh, do need to swear? Um, and based on this, if there's a there's a understanding, a human condition. It's interesting. We only apply this human condition to Jews, actually, but it's a Jewish condition that if somebody did you a favor of lending you money when you needed it, you asked for a loan and he lent you the money, and he comes asking for the money back, you don't have the audacity to deny it to his face. Even if you'd like to, because you don't want to pay it back, you don't have the money, whatever, you're, you know, you're not going to deny it to his face. So that's the chazak, okay? Um, really, he would have liked to deny it all, but he can't. So what, what is he doing? He's admitting in part with the intention of paying it all. Meaning he has good intentions here. He wants to, um, he wants to make good on, on the full amount, but he doesn't have all of it. So he only has part of it. So, so he's like saying, he's admitting to part, and he says, when I get rich, you know, eventually I'll be able to pay, pay it all off. That's very nice, but um, the point being is, is that you don't, once you have that, let's make him swear so that he admits to the full amount. Because that, that future time never happens, Okay. Um, that's the inside. What? I think for me it's a little hard to understand the psychology there. Isn't it easier to say there's nothing owed rather than admitting? Why you can't. Why doesn't he say, say, look, I know I owe you the 100, but I don't have it. I'm sorry. I have 50 now, and I will do everything I can, and I will make out an arrangement, and we'll pay it off. I'm not denying it, but. No, but he's I'm, right. Be honest with him. He's already saying. <laughs> You're right. Well, that's that is what we're isn't wanting it, to say. Isn't it easier though than saying I don't know anything, or I owe you? No, I don't owe anything. We can't believe. No, I don't owe you anything. He can't do. What he could do is say, so "says I only owe you 50. But that's his way of like, you know, it's like it's it eases right, but it eases his <laughs> it eases his his, his conscience. By saying, I, yeah, look, I give him 50. He could, that's all he really, you know. Yeah, what was he going to say later on? It's he also a lot of money. Yeah, he has to look at really, I, I lied to you before. I, I know I owe you the extra 15 here is. I have it now. Right. I but, you know, look, I, I know. I, I was Don uh, Lekavskos. Uh, my, when I was thinking about this, that 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 he felt that if he's going to be busy harassing him for the other fifty, I'll never be able to earn the other fifty. Uh-huh. So he has the shame shemaim reason. So he's like, this uh-huh. I'll just say I only owe you fifty. He's like, okay, what is he going to do about it? And then he'll get the fifty, and then I'll I'll have a calmness of spirit. I'll be able to focus and be able to get I the other fifty. That I lied. <laughs> right, and then I'll admit that I lied. And it's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Here's here's the other fifty. I'm, yeah, but whatever. Anyway, the point being is. Once you put the oath on, so he's not going to do yeah. that, you know, and then we'll get the truth out, and that's yeah. the goal. Anyway, the bottom line is that's the psychology that that, that Rabbah says. So the Shaili is, and this is really the core machlokas between Rabbi Yisroel and Yaakov and Chachamim, is that a concept of Chazakei and Adam Meis Panuv Does that apply to his child or not? The, the like the, the child of the, of the the one who was so nice to him to lend him the money. Is the, to, so the so Rabbi Yisroel Yaakov. Says that it, it does apply to the child, and therefore you can't call this guy Meshva Veda. The kid claims that there's hundred uh, hundred dollars owed. He can't deny that there's hundred dollars owed. He has to admit it, okay, or whatever. He has to admit to part at least. Therefore, when he's giving part in on the claim, he is actually moda uh, bemixas that should have to swear on the rest because he has that same emotion. Um, and the chacham say not true. That's only to, to the to the one 
who actually yeah, lent him the money. That's where there's a, that's where the first. So they're arguing in where the psychology lies. I don't know if that's the machlokas, and that is where we left off yesterday. And that.